With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Thursday edition of the show. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. And we are tracking this Troy matchup. We sort of start to turn the page middle of the week. We are now firmly into South Carolina versus Troy. Slowly learning a little bit more about what South Carolina can expect from this matchup on Saturday. Again, this show is as it is every single day. Brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. You see his banner above our heads every single day. ClintHammond.com is how you can get more information. 803-771-6933 is the phone number. The NMLS number is 71597. Email address chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. And again, as we tell you every single day, if you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to See what your options are about refinancing, saving yourself some money. Um, maybe you want to subscribe to GamecockCentral.com. You want to save an extra 10 bucks. You probably can save even more than that if you refinance right now while the, while the rates are still low. So we appreciate Clint. Always a great dude and always a great sponsor. Moving to South Carolina versus Troy, we're going to be joined momentarily with a pre-recorded interview from John Johnson, who uh, actually – he is not a Troy beat writer specifically. He uh, he works uh, as the sports editor at the uh, is it the Dothan Eagle? You I got it. Right? Um, so so he'll be on. He he covers multiple programs in the state of Alabama. Chris did this interview, and uh, Chris he actually seems like a, he he's covered many different teams in Alabama for for many different years, from my understanding. He has. He's been around quite a while um, in, in kind of the newspaper scene out there. And it, it was funny, Wes. We talked a little before and after, um, kind of off air. He told me, look, I, I'm not a Troy beat writer, right? So there may be some things that, you know, I'm kind of spread around. He covers high school football. He's going to – he's actually covering the Alabama Ole Miss game this weekend, which I'm slightly jealous of. Um, so he was like, there may be some things. Yet when we got to the interview, dude, I mean, he's rattling off. There wasn't a thing that he didn't know about, so didn't give himself enough credit. Uh, really nice guy, really knowledgeable guy, does an outstanding job and kind of a jack-of-all-trades because on Friday nights he's covering high school football. Um, he's also, like you said, covering multiple college programs, but has a really good handle on the Troy program from a historical perspective and what's going on there now. Yeah, and uh, a little little old school in that he cover you know covers a little bit of everything – and yeah, you're right, man. Alabama, Ole Miss. That, that there's some interesting matchups in 
the SEC this week. And I, I tell you, man, we may, maybe we need to start having a little bit more of an SEC approach on on maybe the Friday shows. Maybe yeah. I was thinking about that this week. You got some really we're, – we're getting into the meat of the conference schedule. Starting to figure out who's who, like who who's a contender, who's not. Um, Ole Miss, Alabama should be interesting. Arkansas, Georgia should be very interesting. Um, I like those matchups, Chris, because you have kind of the 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 teams we all thought would be up there, right? Uh, in the West, Alabama, everybody's going to pick them until you know until they give us a reason not to. And Georgia coming into this year, I think. You know, they were very close to the consensus favorite in, in the East. But you have uh, you have a couple of up-and-coming programs there in the West that we're all wondering how how close are they to, to sort of entering that mix over there. No, nobody is really going to sit there from, a, like, a gambling standpoint. Obviously, Alabama is still going to be favored. Georgia, Georgia's a freaking – 18 point favorite I think I saw um I mean that's a pretty big number so not necessarily supposed to be a close game so to speak but it's an intriguing game and and we're going to learn sort of just how how far Arkansas has come and how far along Ole Miss has come because as we've seen um you know Kiffin uh can can put up some points on his on his old buddy Nick Saban from time to time so (laughs) But that that'll be fun to see, man. That that'll be very very interesting to watch those um, as we start to kind of get a feel for the rest of the SEC slate. Um, by the way, did you see uh, Alyssa Lang is the sideline reporter for South Carolina Troy? Yes, yes. She we is. might we might need to be efforting. We need to effort a guest for Friday, I believe, um, going into this weekend. And speaking of guests, we actually have Troy Williamson. Um, not sure what day yet. Troy, I talked to him earlier today. He is going to join us next week, uh, early in the week. Probably a pre-recorded deal, but uh, will be fun to catch up with Troy and talk a little ball. So, yes, I, I think be on the lookout uh, as the season goes on. I, I think we're going to pivot and probably have a few more guests than we've had to start the year just to sort of mix things up and, and, and keep them going. Uh, with that said, Chris, should we go ahead and go on out to John Johnson now? Let's jump on it, man. All right, so again, this is John Johnson. He um, covers all different programs in Alabama, but was on, as we try to do every single week, get you a little more uh, different perspective on the opponent, give you a little more information on the opponent than maybe Chris and I can provide. So here that is from actually from earlier today, so still very, very relevant. About a 13-minute interview that you have right here. I'm here with John Johnson from the Dothan Eagle. He is the sports editor there, longtime sports editor at the Dothan Eagle. John, I appreciate you uh, taking time to join us today here on GC Live. Absolutely, Chris. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, sure thing. So first of all, I was actually doing, uh, going through and reading some of your material, whether it was recent stuff or even some older stuff. Is the rumor true that you are a former pro wrestling fan or, or even a current pro wrestling fan? A former is correct. I, I'm not into the, the new age pro- professional wrestling, but go back, you know, back to the 80s. I'm there. 70s, 60s, late 60s, actually, is when I got into it. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan from way back. Old school wrestling. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, as far back as then, but uh, growing up, 
huge pro wrestling fan. Wes Mitchell, my colleague, who is uh, not with us right now, obviously, but he also pro wrestling fan. And I think Wes still catches a few of the newfangled matches. I'm with you. Not a big fan of the new stuff. Certainly some of the old ones. Who are some of your favorites, by the way, from from back? I don't know if you'll know these names, but Bob Armstrong, you know, he was a big one back in the time. And, uh, you know, even – you know, I watched when Hulk Hogan broke in uh, back when yeah. he was known as Sterling Golden and, and, and you know, I actually saw him. Now, this is kind of interesting. I'll do it real quick because I know we're not here to talk about wrestling. But <laughs> we were at a match in Carrollton, Georgia, and uh, uh, he was Sterling Golden at the time. And me and my friend were talking to him. Uh, and he said, man, I'm about to go up north and wrestle uh, and they're going to change my name to Hulk Hogan. And uh, really pushed me up there. So I mean, like a week later, uh, he was he was you know headed to the big time. That, that is awesome. Um, well, how about that? Um, all right, so let's dive into Troy a little bit. I know that you've been covering their home games there, and, and as part of your role as the sports editor, the Dothan Eagle. Um, I want to take a broad picture view first, with you being around there around that program. Obviously, you know Neil Brown departed the Troy program went to West Virginia, did a fantastic job in Troy building that program up. But tell me if I'm wrong. The sense that I got kind of on a national level was that this was kind of an important year for Chip Lindsey, the, the head coach there. Is, is that kind of accurate in, in that people are kind of looking for this team to make a, a bigger step in, what, year three for him? Is that right? Yeah, this is year three, and yeah, you're right. This is a huge year for him, I believe, because he's had really two just average years. Neil Brown had had really built the program up uh, back from where Larry Blakeney had it years ago. I mean, Troy's had a proud football history. And, uh, you know, when Neil Brown took over, it kind of got it back on track to where it was, you know, quite a long time ago with, with Larry Blakeney. It had fallen off with him. And uh, when Chip Lindsey came in, you know, they were expecting just to keep the train rolling, and it hadn't happened. Uh, now, Chris, the Sun Belt's a lot tougher conference than I think a lot of people give it credit for. And so it's not just really easy to win in this conference. But this is the year that I think even Chip Lindsay expected to for better things. And it was kind of on track until last week at UM, ULM where, uh, you know, they really played bad. And, uh, you know, now all of a sudden there's a, there's a lot of chatter about, you know, we got to get rid of this guy, this, that, and the other. You know, it's really early in the season. But I think when the season's done, you know, Chip Lindsey has to have a strong finish to the year uh, really to, you know, to keep any kind of momentum and to keep his job, quite frankly. Yeah, and so what, what have you seen? I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, lo- losing campaigns, I think, his first two seasons there at Troy – um, what what have been the major issues that have kind of had this per- seen this program not take that step forward um, in the first couple years? And even you know you look at, at that game you mentioned against ULM. I mean, has there been kind of a common theme of some something or some things that have held them back from taking that next step? A lot of it's been kind of puzzling. It's inconsistencies. And uh, now last year, you know, it's just with COVID, it's just a weird year. I mean, it just really was because everyone felt like around here that they had the talent to play pretty well with everyone. And and pretty much they were in the games. It was just they, they couldn't finish, finish, finish them off. And then with this year, everyone with everyone that was coming back, man, they didn't lose many people. The people who could come back really came back because they felt like, hey, this could really be our year. They've got a veteran offensive line. Uh, they've got pretty good receivers. They had good running backs coming back. And I think that's been the most puzzling part of they hadn't been able to run the football. 
And, uh, and it was the same last year. They started off fine and, and looked like they had a tremendous uh, rushing attack in the early season uh, last year. And then towards the end of the year, that really tailed off. They had defensive problems last year, but that's changed this year. The defense is playing really well. So I think the question mark right now is why is Troy not running the football well? Uh, they've got they've got a center that's been there. Actually, I think he's been on campus six years. He's one of the super seniors, Dylan Bradshaw, who's really good. Uh, everyone basically who was there last year starting on the line is back. They've got uh, Kamani Vidal, who's a tremendous running back. He was a freshman last year. B.J. Smith, who two years ago was the preseason Sunbelt Player of the Year for offense before he got injured. Uh, last year, he was battling back from the injury, wasn't very effective, but he's back full strength. First game of the year, both of them looked really good, and since then, the the, uh, the running back room has really struggled. Yeah, so uh, that's something I noticed offensively. I was actually watching some of their game against Southern Miss, and that that was one that really stood out. I think Southern Miss was was up. I haven't finished that rewatch, to be honest with you, as I go through it on Thursday here today, but. Uh, I did notice that the offense really struggled. I mean, no, no points in the first half. Uh, you know, couldn't run it that effectively, didn't, didn't pass it that effectively. Chip Lindsey, offensive background, right? So right. Um, some inconsistencies there. But he, here's something I, I wanted to hit on. Defensively, you mentioned that they made a big year-over-year improvement, you know, from last season to this year. Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks head football coach, raved about this defense. Um he rattled off some statistics that they were top five in nationally. Uh, he said it was one of the hardest playing defenses he's ever seen as a coach in over 20 years. So, so high praise. What have you seen from this defense that's had them, you know, kind of spurred that turnaround? Yeah, and we've asked them that. I think it's more they're just playing with the edge. I think they were almost embarrassed last year because it's the same guys pretty much. I mean, they've plugged in some transfers, but those guys really haven't been – the names you see on Saturday. It's really the guys who were there last year. Uh, there's a guy named Will Cholo, who's a defensive tackle, who's really good. Javon Solomon has just been like a killer in, in as far as on the rushing on the edge. He's been really good. And then their linebacker is probably the best linebacker in the Sun Belt is Carlton Marshall. And he's a guy who – he's a small guy, but he's just all over the field. I mean, and, and so it's almost like those guys – took it personally last year and that, hey, we got to get better. And it's been that way since spring camp. They have really dominated the offense, uh, you know, in scrimmages and that kind of thing. So I don't know what the real, you know, Chris, to give you a real answer, I don't know, except they're just, they've, they've kind of grown up and just playing better. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed really, a, you know, an aggressive defense, a defense that definitely plays hard. And, you know, as I was going through the game, I wrote down some of the names and some of the names I'd researched and, uh, to, the two guys you mentioned were certainly on that list. And tell us a little bit more about Carlton Marshall, former walk-on, right? Uh, a kid who's yeah. 5'9", a former walk-on, and now he's one of the, the best linebackers really in the country, it looks like. Yeah, and he's kind of been that way since he's been on campus and gotten a shot. He's just, you know, he's, his motor just runs. I mean, you, you know, he's one of those guys. And if you want to compare him to a SEC guy, Jacoby McLean at Auburn, uh, a guy that just gets all over the field and just finds a way to make tackles. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of those quiet leaders. He doesn't say a whole lot, uh, but he's just everywhere. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, just a, he's just a natural 
athlete as far as getting to the ball. And uh, not a big guy at all, uh, but you're going to see him all over the field against South Carolina without a doubt. And that's one of the reasons Troy's defense is so good because they are fast. Uh, they're not huge guys at all, but they can really attack and get to the ball. Yeah, and that's something I think is really interesting about this coming matchup because South Carolina's offense has struggled this year to run the football. Same thing with Troy from what you're saying. And South Carolina's defense has sort of carried the day for them to to be able to have them in position to be two and two and, you know, had them in position to potentially win the Kentucky game. And same thing with Troy. Sounds like the defense there is carrying the day. So something's got to give on that side. So with that said, what what do you see as the keys for a Troy victory if they're able to head to Columbia, upset the Gamecocks on Saturday? What would they have to accomplish, you know, in order to do that? I think they just have to mix things up a little bit more on offense. And Taylor Powell, their quarterback, you know, he played at Missouri. He's a transfer from Missouri. He's one of the transfers who has made a difference, obviously. He's coming and taking the starting quarterback job from the guy who last year, Gunnar Watson, was really good. Uh, he's the backup now. But Taylor is is a guy who really – he's got – he shows a lot of poise he has so far. And, uh, you know, he's played in these kind of situations before. He started against Georgia a couple years ago when they had an injury problem at Missouri. So – it's, you know, being at South Carolina is not going to intimidate him, the big crowd and all that kind of thing. But he threw a ton of balls. If you go, if you do look at the second half of the Southern Miss game is when they were having to come back. He was having to throw it all over the field basically because they were trying to come back. But they can't do that against South Carolina. I mean, they're going to have to mix. The run's going to have to be effective for the pass to be effective. Uh, one thing I think you may see is, and this is something Troy hadn't done much in the last couple of years, but they're trying to do this year's pass to the tight ends. And I think you'll see that on Saturday because they've got to to open up the outsides and they got a couple of really good receivers. Tess Johnson's a guy to keep a name on, uh, an eye on, I'm sorry, at wide receiver. And there's a kid named Jabri Barber. He, um, this is his first year to get him playing time at wide receiver, but he was a running back in high school. And I'm real familiar with him because he's from Dothan. Uh, Last year he played on special teams, but they're really getting the ball to him now on the outside. Not long passes, but short passes because he used to be a running back and he can make things happen as well. But to me, they just got to mix it up offensively because defensively, I think they can hang in there with South Carolina. Yeah, so with two teams that where, you know, I don't know if anybody would project this to be a super high scoring game, right? So I, I think the Vegas line right now is South Carolina by nine, something like that special teams has been an area that South Carolina in some of the early games has capitalized on. One thing that I noted, and this could have just been the first half of the Southern Miss game, not sure if it was indicative of a bigger problem, but Troy had some some issues on special teams, you know, in that game. They nearly got a punt blocked. I know it was a little wet, but they, they had a bad snap on a field goal, gave up a couple decent returns. Has that been an issue area for Troy, or is that more of just a maybe a one-half aberration? No, it has been an issue, and they've had two extra point kicks blocked uh, over the course of the first couple of games. They've got a new kicker, Brooks Boosie, who is actually a Georgia transfer, and he attempted only his first field goal to, uh, last Saturday. He, he he connected as a 32-yarder, but, you know, there's a real question mark there because he really had, you know, that was his first college field goal of his career, and he was at Georgia for a while, basically with his, their backup um uh, field goal kicker. Uh, their punter's pretty good, actually. Luke Magley's Ozzy, if I said it correct. He's a transfer from UConn. 
but they've had pretty good luck with him. But yeah, you know, I think, uh, I don't know that much about South Carolina's special teams, but I think they would definitely have the edge there just because Bucci, for one, hadn't been challenged. Good stuff. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time, John. We'll let you go and get back to your day. I know you're a busy man. So uh, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to come on GC Live and kind of tell our, our audience a lot more about Troy and uh, also for your pro wrestling insights. Awesome Hulk Hogan story. I really appreciated that as a, as a former fan of pro wrestling. So hope you have a great rest of the day and thanks again for your time. Chris, I sure appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that frozen shot of me. The the free the freeze frame of, of Chris yeah, there um, at the end. Uh, our our technical execution of this show has uh, so far we'll give it a we'll, we'll give it a C minus. How about that? You know, the, uh, yes, Marcus yes. Satterfield grade um, from yesterday. So uh, yeah, J, as J Rock says, good job, Chris. Um, throwing in the the pro wrestling stuff. Um, by the way, did y'all see that that GC Live alum, uh, Matrick Belton, made his yes. NXT debut a, a few weeks ago? Uh, I did see that. And and I think, Wes, you know, maybe we'll be able to get him. What's his name on there? Do you remember? Trick, Trick Williams. He, uh, Trick. Yeah. He, he's, he said he's still down to come back on, by the way. I was going to say, we need to get him on and, and verify this, but I'm pretty sure – Probably when he was applying and, you know, showing him like his resume and things he's done. I'm sure GC Live was probably at the top of that. He's able to show his charisma on the show, his personality. That's probably what put it over the top. But we'll, well get – He did cut a he cut a promo on here, remember? Yes. That's what I'm that saying. Was, yeah, I think I think that uh, that pushed that him over the top. Over the we're we're going to get him on at some point. Like we're, we're going to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we appreciate John coming on talking Troy. Yeah, dude, like you said, I mean, dude was rattling off the entire two deep. I, I feel like, but um, yeah. y'all's point at the end though, but we we just need to have a a limbo segment every week. I, I feel like right. when we talk about will South Carolina special teams win this week? Mm-hmm. That dude, it, it's I mean, from the sounds of it, and that that segment that you watched of of them sounded horrific like uh, <laughs> right yeah like, well, like limbo wouldn't sleep at night if uh if he was running that special teams well, well that was the thing and uh i don't know how much I, I know friday right your carolina confidential with your game preview typically comes out one one of the better pieces i think on gamecock central I always like reading that so i'm not sure you know how much troy you've been able to dive into Wes, but I wanted to watch the most recent game that they played, and that was the Southern Miss game. And, and so that was something I noticed. There were definitely some takeaways there. And one of my noticed was the special teams. You're just going, ooh. You know, it, and that's why I wanted to ask John, is that a one-game thing or has it been a theme? The, the conditions were a little bit rainy before that game, but they went down and um, they were trying to kick a field goal early. They had a bad snap and couldn't handle it, walked away with no points. The punting game was a little off. They they allowed some returns that against even better competition, you know, you would probably worry about that if you're Troy. So they had some issues and very nearly got a punt blocked. It only this is where it was very very close. So I think um, you know it, it's it's definitely an area to watch because I think like we were saying with John, 
you've got an issue where both of these offenses are struggling, right? The defenses for both these teams playing well. So something's going to give there in terms of one team's going to score more points than the other, but special teams could be an area where South Carolina is able to, hey, maybe you, you spark a big return, maybe you block a punt, maybe the field goal game for Troy at a critical moment, you know, lets them down. Yeah, yeah, and like we were talking about uh, last week, Chris, some, sometimes being boring on special teams is uh, is not the worst thing because that, that means, you know, it's kind of one of those things you'd love to have your special teams be something that everybody's talking about because they're great. But the majority of the teams out there will probably take uh, just being sort of even. Now, South, South Carolina, I think kind of with where they are right now, um, honestly kind of – Need, needs that special teams edge, in my opinion. So can they get that from week to week? It's hard to have a special teams um, advantage every single week in terms of, like, making a big play. Maybe maybe you feel like you have an advantage every week and that you cover well, don't make mistakes, stuff like that. But to have, like, that big – to count on that big special teams play every single week, kind of difficult. But – if this is a, a a team that struggles on that end, as far as Troy goes, maybe this is the opportunity to get a big return, get a big punt block, to have better field position than them. That uh, you know, may, maybe maybe that's something that that is a, a big factor in this game. Uh, you know, he he talked quite a bit about their defense, man. Obviously, Beamer talked about them. I didn't realize, and th- this is why we have guests on like this. I didn't realize that they had struggled so much defensively last year and that it's the same guys essentially this year, which, you know, you see that in, in college ball sometimes just, Hey, be, being in the scheme another year, being, you know, another year of experience, being in a situation where uh, you're just way more comfortable. Sometimes it comes together, man. So How about uh, South Carolina's defense this year, I mean, only yeah. a, a small sample, right? But they've improved. They, they have improved, and yeah. and shoot, they've even, they lost guys. They lost guys. They lost some of their uh, best guys. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think um, something to be said for that. But man, they have they have a couple of dudes. Um, the uh, uh, the Carlton Marshall kid that he talked about. This guy is like, and for you old school Carolina Panthers fans. Um, the first thing I thought of was Sam Mills when I saw the guy was five foot nine. Like he he's literally five nine playing linebacker. And but dude, this guy has three hundred and twenty-eight tackles in his career. Yes. Um, in three plus seasons. As that is right at I think 32, 33 tackles this year. So he's right on that pace where he could have another one hundred tackle season. He's had Two separate 100 tackle seasons already in his career, which is very, very impressive. So, uh, you know, you look at him, you look at the um, Donovan Solomon kid. I hope I got that right. I know his last name is Solomon. Uh, the pass rush edge guy. They, they have a couple of players on this defense that I, I'll give their their coaches credit. And I don't know how far back. I don't know who necessarily specifically recruited these kids. Um, I know the Solomon kid is a redshirt freshman listed, but Troy did theirs a little bit differently on their official roster than South Carolina. They didn't count last year at all 
whereas South Carolina counted, and the SEC, I think, in general, counted last year, but said, you know, you can tack that extra year on the end, even though last year didn't technically count. So uh, Solomon really, his third year at Troy, and they they just did a good job of finding guys who very clearly, I'm sure, were not recruited by other places because of their size. They didn't fit that just perfect size. Well, not, not everybody can be Eric Norwood, you know? Like, not everybody can – there's a reason those size standards are in place. Not everybody can play their way out of sort of that that box that that we put the undersized guys in. They clearly found two guys who are good enough that the size uh, did not matter. Yeah, no doubt. Sorry, I couldn't get my mute, unmute button click. So, Marshall, I mean, this is a great story, man. I mean, he he got there in, I think, 2017 and actually redshirted. But, like, you know how you'll see some guys that don't do much and then they just – maybe they're a former walk-on or even a scholarship player, but they come out of nowhere and they kind of really develop at the end. He was really good from the beginning. Like, he – he redshirted in 2017, then in 18 he gets there, and he's a freshman All-American. Uh, in, I think, his sophomore year, uh, or either 18 or 19, he was PFF's like – let me see what it was. I got the stat right here. The number 35 player in the country, according to PFF. So, like, that's everybody, all positions, all schools, number 35 in the country. And then you look at uh, – the 2020 season, he was an all-Sunbelt first team. And as John Johnson pointed out, Sunbelt's gotten pretty good. Now, there's some good teams. Led the country, 113 tackles last season. So, he's really good, man. You watch him on film, and uh, he's got a nose for the ball. Is he a little short? Yeah. But he's just – he's always around the football. Uh, you know, the guy you mentioned, Javon Solomon, he, he looks like a legitimate pass rusher. And another one, man, that maybe doesn't get talked about as much is Richard Gibbonor. I think he was an Auburn transfer. He's actually second on the depth chart behind Solomon. But when you see this guy, that's one of the guys that Shane Beamer mentioned where they have some guys that are SEC-like players, right? And he's one of them. Like physically, he looks really good. Um, and he also can play like it too. So, uh, And they got an interior defensive tackle who's really good. So they're they're really good in terms of playing hard. Um, they can cause you some issues up front in terms of being quick, knifing in the backfield. Um, they like to pressure some on third down. So for an offensive line that has had some issues in terms of communicating or getting to blocks and the run game hasn't been going, this is a challenge. I don't think we need to, you know, that can't really be overstated. Like this is going to be a challenge in terms of up front. Now, if South Carolina can establish the run, if they can get into some positive you know, second and third down situations. I do think there's opportunities in the pass game here, but the, the battle up front is is going to be a battle to watch again. Yeah, and Javon Solomon. I said Donovan Sol- Solomon, but uh, yeah, Javon Solomon, uh, to get that correct. Um, so, dude, I, I mean, bro- broken record alert, but South Carolina running game, I mean, this is kind of, you know, you you took me right to where I was about to go. These are two teams that have struggled to run the football. And, you know, it kind of – and I'm I'm of the belief, man, if you were doing keys to victory for, like, every game in the history of football, you could be like – if you just didn't know what to say, you could be like, well, man, if they run the football and they stop the run, then – 
you know, they're, they're going to win this game. But but some weeks you go in and there's like extra reasons to, to point to that. Well, it, South Carolina, we thought was going to be a running football team, which is something we've talked about all week long and really for the last couple of weeks. And they haven't been. And Troy um, clearly is a team that has some decent backs to work with. Like I, I know uh, John talked about their, their running backs and how they sort of, um, you know, especially early last year, the running game played pretty well. Um, Clayton White mentioned that they had a couple of backs that looked impressive to him. So you have two teams, you know, not that Troy's backs are going to be quite on the same level as what South Carolina has, but you have a couple of teams that, that probably feel like they have guys who can make something happen if they could just give them the room to operate. So, you know, I, I, I thought this, you know, going into last week, I was like, man, we're going to sort of know after about a quarter and a half what, um, you know, what, what to expect here. It, it may be the same case again. And, and this is a South Carolina defense, as good as they've been, as improved as they've been, um, as much as we give them credit for that because it's deserved. Um, the other side of that coin has been, I would say, the one thing they have struggled with, and it's a little bit of a carryover from last year. Although, to give them credit, man, I feel like they've they've improved against the run mm-hmm. compared to last year. Y'all, I mean, I know, I know most of you probably tried to like blank last year out of your brain, like just delete it, just like just it's gone. Yeah, don't blame you. <laughs> But it, the running game was – or the defensive ability to stop the run last year was not good at all. You had no chance. I feel like it has improved, but still just not quite, you know, where they would want to – you know, Clayton White even said that that number, I believe is how he said it, that number's a little bit higher than we want it to be when you're looking at yards allowed per rush. Um, especially when you like take out sacks and take out, you know, the stuff that don't really have anything to do with the running game. Um, so to me, I don't know, both, both sides of the ball, like if, 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 if Troy is sort of chunking away six here, seven here, eight here early in this game, might be a sign of trouble. If South Carolina is, looks like it's running into a wall again in the first quarter, then it's going to be a long, long, long day at williams Price Stadium that's going to include probably some scary moments for South Carolina fans. If you start to see some signs of relief and the backs start actually having some room and South Carolina's, you know, seven here, eight here, and it starts to kind of open up, if they're getting that early, then that means the seven and eight is maybe, – maybe it finally starts to become 15 and 20-yard runs as this game progresses, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think if they can get past that and if they play better up front, scheme some things up, and, and things just click better, I think there are going to be – there will be some potential for some big runs, but they haven't been able to hit that second level in with many opportunities this year. So uh, going back to Troy in, in their running game, Wes, you're right. I think just eyeball test and statistically, South Carolina has been better against the run this year, but – you know, Kentucky, that there were some concerning things there. Now, we knew Kentucky could run the ball. Like, that was the book on them coming in. Troy is a team that you you look at and you go, all right, South Carolina should be able to do a really nice job against these guys. I remember, Western, you were watching ECU, and you texted me 
one point and said, South Carolina's D-line should have a, a good game in this one. And they did. They ended up having a good game. This is a game that I look at. Troy's offensive front in terms of the running game, to me, is not playing very well. Not a lot of room to operate. Southern Miss, no disrespect to them, but South Carolina's got better players up front in terms of talent than Southern Miss. So as long as you know the linebackers are going to have to fit the run well, and that's a concern with Sherrod Green out, you're dipping into your depth. You don't want to be playing a lot of defensive snaps. But I think they're going to have an opportunity to get Troy into some long third down situations where you can go unleash rushing the passer. Here's some stats for you on Troy. They have been very poor. The the best rushing day that they had was against Southern, right? 55 to 3. They averaged 4.2 yards a carry. That's solid. That's actually the number that Shane Beamer said South Carolina, I think, offensively wants to be at, if I'm not mistaken. The next game against Liberty, they rushed for a total of 21 yards, 0.9 yards a carry. Uh, the next game, uh, or that's, actually, that's, that's bad. That's very bad. The Southern Miss game, they actually only rushed for 49 yards and 1.5 yards a carry. And then the ULM game, 67 yards rushing, 2.9 a carry. So it's been a struggle for them all year. Now the flip side is Troy, as we pointed out, and Shane Beamer pointed out, defensively they put up good numbers. Southern Miss, for instance, had minus one rushing yards in their game against Troy. Some of that was aided by nine sacks. But what's that show you? You know, it, it does show you they've been pretty good in terms of stopping the run, and they can get after the quarterback. And Southern Miss's quarterback is a very mobile quarterback, right? And they still had nine sacks. So a couple areas to watch there with, with Troy's defensive line. I think they can be pretty scrappy. Uh, Beamer mentioned, Chris, uh, that this is the hardest playing defense he's seen in the history of football. Um <laughs> What what was that? You know, you've you've watched way more of them than I have. Was that a was that a little bit of coach talk, coach speak? Uh, let's hype them up, or or did you when you watched them? Are you like, dang, these guys do play like pretty dang hard? I don't. I, I can't say, and I haven't watched every game this year that they played. I can't say that watching them, I was like, this is the hardest playing defense I've ever seen. I, I definitely didn't say that. But I did come away saying, yeah, they play hard. You know, they run to the football. You know, Carlton Marshall, I mentioned earlier, their their middle linebacker, I mean, he, he's all over the place. You know, he's finding the football. He's just got a knack for being there, whether it's, you know, somebody taking a swing pass out in the flat. Like, he's there. He's going to be there eventually. Um, run game, he's all over the place. Their D-line is what stands out because they've got some twitchy guys on the edge like uh, Solomon, like Jim Knorr when they bring him in as a pass rusher. They've got a couple defensive tackles that have quickness. And then these guys are able to knife in the backfield and they they rally to the ball. And so where that's concerning for South Carolina is that, again, there have been some issues up front, multiple issues. Um, and then they've got some guys as pass rushers that are arguably could be good enough to beat you in some one-on-one pass rush situations. You look what they did against a mobile quarterback in Southern Miss. You know, they, they sacked him nine times, despite the guy being a, a solid runner. So I, I did come away with that impression that this is a group that rallies to the football and, and they play hard. I think there's some plays to be made in the run game if they can get past there, and I do think there's some plays to be made in the secondary or against their secondary as well offensively. Yeah, and I, I think, Chris, some, sometimes 
I do think when you play these teams that are a little bit undersized, um, as weird as it is to say, sometimes it works as a advantage for the undersized guys in pass rush situations or in like stunning situations. You know, I think if if they just try to line up uh, and stop the run against South Carolina, you know, just man on man, power versus power, even as much as South Carolina struggled, you would think South Carolina you know, mo- most – I'm thinking like more big picture. Most years, South Carolina should be able to just knock Troy backwards. But a lot of these sort of like Sunbelt-type scrappy defenses like this, they have guys that are a little bit undersized. And then you take – I mean, I remember the – even like Spurrier years when you had a you had a big guy like Corey Robinson out there at tackle. You know, and he's six seven six eight. Like, used, used to blocking – a defensive end who's six four, six five, six six. Um, then you're facing a dude that's like six one, six two. They they almost get underneath you. Like I, I think a, you know even like to me this is a game. That there's this ongoing you know where Jazz uh, Turnitine and and Ja'Kai Moore have been. You know to me this is probably a tough matchup for a guy like Jazz who is really really tall um, against some of these smaller guys. Now when, when you're talking about the power game you know, you would think advantage South Carolina. But if you let Troy get into some pass rush situations where they can sort of turn themselves loose, you know, sometimes they can kind of almost get under your block, like low man wins type thing. So that, that would be something to watch. I, I know there have been times just over the years where South Carolina has played teams, again, even going back to Spurrier, going, you know, pretty, pretty good offenses, like talented offenses. And – they, they've struggled with, with fronts that are that are undersized at times, and, and that's always been my belief because I can't think of any other reason um, that, that that happens. You know? I think you're right. I mean, there was a defensive tackle from Wofford one time. I joked about that the other day about how I like, oh, can't run the ball in Wofford. I cannot remember the guy's name. Maybe somebody could help me out. But this guy, I mean, he was seriously, Wes, I think he was about our height. He destroyed. I mean, he he was just wrecking shop on some plays against the Gamecocks. But you're right, it, that that does come about. I, I think it's that or guys with a lot of quickness on the interior. You know, Troy, you know, everybody's talking about the edge rusher. Uh, they really got a couple really good edge rushers, but they're defensive tackles too. They're quick. And so the reason I'm talking about that so much is, you know, you look at some instances that South Carolina's gotten in this season against the run game. Against Kentucky, they had to play the massive nose guard, right? Now he was he was quick, but he was also just massive. When you get penetration in the run game, especially when you're pulling guys and things like that, that can cause you some problems. It can really interrupt your rhythm. And so, schematically, is South Carolina bearing in? You know, are they keeping in mind that hey, Troy's quick? They can knife in our backfield and start messing things up. Or is Troy going to devote a bunch of bodies to the run like we saw in the first two games, EIU and ECU? They just threw people at the line of scrimmage, and it caused some problems. So I think they're going to have to figure out schematically and assignment-wise, but if they can somehow, no matter the scheme or whatever, if they can create some explosive plays, I think you know they, they could be fine and loosen things up and get it back on track. But it is going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Wes has taken control of, of the uh, – of the panel here, and he has taken us to Ty's favorite segment of the show. Relief from the stress of the Troy game, thinking about what may happen. Is the run game going to get on track? 
set your mind on other things like Dead Soxie. Go to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And look, you can get 25% off. That is a quarter off of your order. Not a literal quarter, but a percentage. 25% off with the promo code COCKY. Men's and women's socks, athletics, dress socks, no-shows, all with the patented no-slip technology and, yes, the buttery soft feel that all of you that have ordered Dead Soxy are so accustomed to. If you don't know about it, check them out at deadsoxy.com. We don't, one, we don't have any actual sound effects, so I'm just going to do the... Was that one solid? I was so inspired by Ty on that one. Hey, Ty, I, I got I got to know. Ty, have you ordered some Dead Soxy? Like, it, I mean, is it... Because I think most people... Like, Ty, Ty is not paid to hype up Dead Soxy. Like, he is the... The dead soxy hype man. Do, do you actually do you have some dead soxy socks or you just you're you're just playing your role is what I want to know because I don't know man I I kind of think Chris we need to maybe send a text make some calls we like to hook up our listeners from time to time I think we need to send Ty um I think we need to send Ty some dead soxy socks yeah. So, I, I agree. I, th- I think we can make that happen. Travis says we need more than the three pairs they're offering. I, they went all out for old. Yeah, they do have like some lane train socks for Ole Miss. So if you randomly want some of those, go grab them. Use the promo code Taki. You get 25% off. We might look into some other types of, you know, like college themed socks for, for the Gamecocks one day. But they still have the kind of college line for South Carolina, the Spurs socks, as we call them. That's kind of the unofficial name. Go check those out for really any kind. Good guys over there. Shout out Shane. Shane says he has some. Um, Ty does say he, he has some. So, uh, good. Yeah. I, I'm glad y'all bought on our recommendation. They are very soft socks. Like We don't just say that because they gave us a little bit of money to say that. They are very, very soft socks. Um, all right. So, let's close this thing out, man. I'm, I'm I'm telling you, I, I think we need to go SEC direction on Fridays. Like, I think we need to have an SEC um, segment each Friday with a guest. So we're going to effort that if y'all, the listeners and chatters, think that it's a good idea. Shane, now Shane wants some free socks. Hey, Shane, if you came with the energy about Dead Soxy that Ty comes with every single day, you know, Ty is coming out here with Zaquandre White level energy about the dead Soxy socks. So, Shane, when you get on Ty's level, maybe then we'll send you some some free socks. Um, cl- all right, clo- closing thoughts today, Chris, and we'll give our we'll give our final take on this yeah. matchup. Obviously, on Friday. Well, so, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, obviously, on the run game, like for both teams. These teams have some similarities in that both offenses have kind of scuffled, mainly because of issues in the run game, and both defenses have been pretty, mostly very solid. And so kind of mirror each other a little bit, which is makes for an interesting matchup. One thing I noticed, Wes, just one more thing here, on the quarterback, Taylor Powell, who's an SEC transfer from Missouri, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's an interesting guy in that offense because really solid at buying time. You know, he's not going to be a, a huge 
you know, explosive runner. Um, but he he's really good at buying time in the pocket. And so I think, look, just one of the keys, and you, again, this is one you could say every game on your keys to the game if you want to be generic, you know, win the battle up front. But South Carolina is going to have to find a way to be disruptive to continue. They want Troy to continue that success of not being successful at all in the run game. But Powell is someone who he made some plays in the action that I saw buying himself an extra second or two and finding an open receiver. So defensive line will have to be cognizant of that. And the defensive backs are going to have to be very disciplined um, in this game because of comeback routes, scramble drill, things like that. Might have to cover an extra second or two. And Taylor Powell tends to like that back shoulder throw. He'll he'll employ that as well. So a couple little extra storylines just to chew on as we close out the show before we uh, finish up the preview tomorrow. That would have been an excellent time uh, to debut Primal Gourmet when you said chew on there, Chris. So keep keep that in mind for the future. Little little, Ooh, little hint for our next sponsor. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll get you all some free stuff from them as well. Uh, yeah, good stuff as always, man. We'll have final thoughts on Friday. And uh, good stuff on the back shoulder. I, I always like the little tidbits about about players. The back if, if you can throw the back shoulder fade, man, and you have receivers where you can time it out, that, that's got to be the most difficult to defend thing in football. For when, when they can really do it. Now, if you can't do it and you try to do it, it you know it, it can get ugly. You can throw some interceptions where people go, "What what were they doing?" But when when guys are really capable of being accurate and it's timed out well, and they're on the same page, that 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 thing's has got to be one of the toughest plays to defend in all of football. Um, all right, so yeah, appreciate John, appreciate all of you, appreciate all of our sponsors, appreciate our buddy Clint Hammond. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Leave a review on the whatever podcast platform you're listening on, and we will see you all on Friday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.